Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. But the holidays are actually some of my favorite times, but you know what's interesting? The holidays are some of the saddest times for some people. Uh, People that have been through traumatic things, people who have been through difficulties, a lot of times people are going through hard things. And sometimes the holidays can compound uh, the, the sadness that you can feel or can, can compound a bad situation, make it worse, especially in the age of Instagram and Facebook and, and TikTok and all these different things where you're looking online and you're seeing how happy everyone else is, but you've got something going on inside of you uh, that makes you feel less than. So you know what I wanted to do today? I want to do a message that will encourage every person in this room. Is any, could anyone use a little encouragement today in 2020? My goal from this message today is that you leave here ready to fight and ready to go to the next level for your family, ready to go to the next level for your personal life. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. The devil is a liar. And he has tried to whisper in our ear for all of 2020 that the best is behind us. He's tried to whisper that there are things that have been taken away from us that will never be given back again. But I want to tell you something. God's plan for your life is not compromised today. God's purpose for your future is not compromised today. He has a a mission for you. He knew what this year was going to look like before it ever happened. And I believe that there are some things that we can do to get back in alignment with his purpose for our life that will help us get on track. And I want to finish 2020 with some victory in my life. Whatever 2020 has tried to take away from me, I want to get back in its face and say, in Jesus' name, I'm going to finish this thing with some hope. I'm going to finish this thing with some joy in my life. Come on, if you're here today, let's have church. If you're online, now you better be on Facebook saying, this white boy came to preach today. Come on. You better get excited on there today. Lots of amens on live. Thank you so much for our moderators, our online teams that make church online so great at City of Life. Uh, Let's be very engaged today, and I believe God's going to do some great, great things. We know Psalm chapter 1, it says blessed, and that word blessed means happy. So happy is the one. Who who would like to be happy here today? So if you want to be happy, let's follow some of the instructions on how to be happy. Happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is whose joy is in the law of the Lord. That's a strange thing to take joy in, especially in the Old Testament when the law was so demanding. It's saying happy is the person whose delight and whose joy comes from doing God's will. He meditates on that law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in season. Someone say in season. This is even saying that there are seasons where it's not time for you to yield fruit. So even if you're going to be as happy as it's possible to be, according to Scripture, you must realize that seasons are scriptural. It it, it makes sense to have ebb and flow and pace to life. There, There are absolutely seasons in life of silence where God is not speaking to you, so it can encourage you and build your faith to trust in His written word more. And then maybe that still small voice will come in your spirit once you've learned how to trust. He has seasons of your life that he develops things in you. How many people love a good photograph? I love seeing an old school photograph with film. Well, you know, they got to put those negatives in a dark room, don't they? 
They have to put negatives in a dark room in order to develop them correctly. And you might be in a dark season right now of your life where God has got you in a season that he is. Look at someone next to you say, he's developing something beautiful in me. Come on, he's developing something in me. I believe that for you today in Jesus' name. Did you know that a poll, a recent poll, said that only one in three people are happy? By the way, that was my, if you're going to play the whole time, you can. But that was my scripture right there. Oh, you're waiting until I pray, ain't you? That's what we do every week. I forgot. Let me pray real quick. Then he can go. That's on me. That's on me. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for Kyle that followed the cue and I messed him up. Uh, and I pray in Jesus' name today, Lord, that your presence will be here. Uh, and just encourage people watching online that we leave here different than we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so, so only one. Yeah, come on. Hey, I like that. Anybody prayed, prayed after a prayer, clapped after a prayer in a while. So we all want to be happy, but it, it, this kind of says that few people are. If, if only one in three, if only 33% of people are admitting to be happy, then I wonder how many of those people are not even really happy. They're just sort of trying to impress the people that are taking the, the poll there. So we're searching for happiness. And I think the true question would be, are we in search... Of, of real happiness, or are we in search of something that we think is happiness, and shouldn't we be searching for something that gives us long-term true happiness? You know, and I think that it's, it's a dangerous pursuit to truly pursue happiness. I think it's really dangerous because I think what happens is when, our, when happiness is our ultimate goal, we'll do anything to get it, and, and that, that's scary. The Bible doesn't say happy is the man who is happy. No, he says happy is the, the person who delights in the law of the Lord. So we see that happiness can, biblically and scripturally, happiness is not found directly. You're not going through life and go, oh, look what I discovered. I discovered happiness. No. Happiness is found by pursuing something else. And we see according to scripture, it's the law of the Lord. And if the law is the word, and Jesus called himself in John chapter 1, John refers to Jesus as what? In the beginning was the... So we find happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus and you follow Jesus and you search for him and you look for him and you build relationship with him, you're going to find that that process is going to lead you to a place where you turn around one day and you say, in Jesus, I have found happiness. See, we, come on, give God a praise. Three things we find about a happy person. It's a life that's planted we see that in Psalm 1, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. So if you don't have stability in your life, you may think you're happy. Flying after this, flying after that. I got to get a new house. It'll make me happier. I need a new car. It'll make me happier. I got to change jobs. It'll make me more money. You might be elevating in many different perceivable ways. But I'm telling you something. If your life is not rooted and planted in Christ, you will never know true happiness. There, there is a happiness that comes from faithfulness and consistency and stability and gradual growth over time, a satisfaction that you're able to look at your life. You may not have the most wonderful house in the world, but it might be a house that you've worked on for years and you've improved it. And when you drive on that property, you say, baby, I remember when I didn't have that carport, but I built that thing. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you put it there. Thank you for that shrub that I put over there. I watered that. It may not be as big as my next door neighbor, but they hired some company. I put that in. There is a power. There is a satisfaction. 
There is a gratification from being faithful and being planted in a place. Can somebody say, I'm starting to feel like I want to preach up here today. From being planted. Because this says, a happy person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. I already gave away some of my ideas about season, but I can't tell you how important it is to understand seasons of your life. Come on, somebody say right now, say out loud, say, I'm in a season. You're in some kind of season. You're just flat out in a season. I mean, NFL players, NBA players, they have seasons. Every season they're in is a season. You're either in the season or you're in the off season. And what do you do in the off season? You train. For what? The season. But that's a season of its own. You eat a certain way. You, you train a certain way. You watch film a certain way. Every season is a season that's preparing you for what? Another season. <laughs> but, but the balance... And the maturity comes from learning how to be thankful for the season that you're in because there's meaning behind that season. See, and when we're going to, if we're ever going to be happy, we have to understand this says happy is the man or the woman or the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord because no matter what, their se what season they're in, they're planted. And I got news for you. If they're like a tree planted by streams of living water, a tree is not always as tall, you know, it, it, it doesn't start out as tall as it will be someday. It grows. So your tree may not be the same size as somebody else's tree. You need time to cultivate it. You need time to grow and to be planted and to learn the joy of growing in happiness. You have to be consistent. You have to be patient. John 7, 38 says, he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So we know that in, this says Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit in that scripture. So rivers of living water. So if you couple that with Psalm 1, and, and our life is like a tree planted by rivers of living water, that when we delight in Jesus and the law of the Lord, we got the Holy Spirit rushing all around us all the time, inspiring us, covering us, anointing us, flowing around us, through us. Come on, somebody say amen today. So we see that a happy person is a life planted in Jesus. We also see that a happy person means changing some things in your life. Because the beginning of this scripture talks, starts out as a negative. It said, happy is the man who does not. So you have to recognize that what you used to do doesn't work. Because when it goes down the list, it says, happy is the man who does not Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. I like to call that the downward progression of sin. Think about it. At the beginning, you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That means you're literally doing life and moving forward with people who are not godly. And it says, blessed is the person who doesn't do that. Then it says, nor stand in the way of sinners. Now your progress has been impeded. You're no longer walking, you're what? You're standing. Now you're standing in the way of, of, of sinners. And it says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And who are scornful? They're the worst kind of person. They're not just ungodly in a general sense. They're not just sinners. They're people that mock and make fun of God, godly people. So now you're not only stopped walking and you started standing, but now you've said, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to sit here. I don't know what this is. I mean, is that... Theoretically, me sitting down, I think in my head I was sitting down, but I look like an idiot. 
I'm not dancing, I promise. So we see that to, to be happy, you're going to have to stop doing the things that don't work. Can we say that out loud? Stop doing the things that don't work. Don't look at the neighbor next to you. I'm talking to talk to yourself. You're all looking at your neighbor and pointing at them saying, stop. No, say it to yourself. Say, stop doing the things that don't work. Think about that. We get, we, there, there are behaviors and patterns that we get into that simply do not work. Number three here, uh, things that you find about a happy person. I believe one is a life plan in Jesus. Number two, it's a change of allegiances. Number three, it's a love for the ways of God. This person delights in the law of the Lord. You say, but why don't I feel that way? Well, maybe it's because you've never really explored, and I hope this kind of stirs something up in you a little bit today. Maybe it's because you've never really explored what it is to be a friend to God. Let me, let me tell you this. Aristotle said that he did not believe it was possible to, for, he thought it was a preposterous idea to be f- friends with God, that God could not be a person's friend because a God could never relate to a human. A creator could never relate to the creation. And I understand that. Did you know that in friendship, when you really analyze what friendship is, real friendship, can I tell you what the heart of real friendship is? It's you too. When you think about real friendship, what it really comes down to is when someone says, man, you know, when I, when I was growing up, people used to pick on me because I like Star Wars. And people go, you too? People used to pick on me because I like Star Wars. You go, no way. And then you start hanging out with that person. They say, man, I'm, I'm really hungry. I would, I'd like to go to my favorite restaurant. Really, what's your favorite restaurant? Taco Bell. <laughs> you too? Everyone I know hates Taco Bell. You like Taco Bell? Yes, I love Taco Bell. Oh, my gosh. That's really the heart of true friendship. Isn't, it, isn't that connection that you have with someone when you meet someone that shares the things that you share? When, you're, when you start feeling like you're able to trust them, I can say something in front of them that other people might laugh at, but they won't laugh at it because they're my friend and they understand. Aristotle said we can never be friends with God because he can never relate with who we are. But the Bible says in Hebrews, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Jesus has been where we are. He knows what we're going through. He can look at us every day and we can look at him and say, you too. That's what friendship is. And when you're friends with someone, You care about what they care about. And how you say, well, because the question started out here, how can I delight in the law of the Lord? When you realize that he's your friend and he cares about what you care about. So in order to care about what he cares about, how can we show that we do that? By obeying him. By valuing who he is and what he stands for. That's what delighting of the law in the law of the Lord is. And I'm telling you something, 
Friendship will lead you to a place that legalism never can when it comes to your relationship with God. Tweet that. You know, you have to learn how to play the gospel. You say, well, I don't like where this is going. Well, I haven't finished. You know, if you see a a flute laying on the ground and you're just a barbarian, you may pick it up and say, I'm going to build my house with this. In your head, you may, I don't know if that's the barbarian voice, but it it felt good to me, like the the gravel that was underneath. But you, you just may see yourself hammering a stake in the ground with that thing because of the way it's, the weight of it, the look of it, yet you can hammer. It would never occur to you that brilliance could be conveyed and beauty and wonder could be conveyed if you learned how to properly push the right places and, and, and to learn how to play that instrument the way it was designed to be played. But you know what it takes in order to get that out of a flute? It takes wisdom. And you have to learn wisdom in your life. Stop treating the Bible like a hammer and start learning how to play it. Develop wisdom in what it means, an application in your life. You say, I thought this was about happiness. It is. (laughs) Oh, it's totally about happiness. This is about why we go down roads and at why I'm trying to get to the root of maybe helping us discover why it is on Thanksgiving we look at someone's photo of being with their family and it makes us feel sad. I'm trying to get to the roots of why we find ourselves in places of depression or, or anxiety where we're turning to something in our life that has no long-term value to change our course because we, we don't live this way. And if we did, we would find happiness welling up inside of us as a byproduct of knowing Jesus, not because we've said, oh, I found my way to happiness. It's this way I'm doing it. No, just knowing Jesus brings these things into your life. You have to learn how to play the gospel. So how can you be happy? I'm going to give you some practical things. I'm going to throw some stuff at you. You guys ready? Take your notes out today. Figure out a way to write this stuff down. There's a lot of information here, but I just, I just want to give you as much as I can today so you can go back and rewind it, watch it again. Here's, here's some ways to be happy. Number one, be gracious. Grace shown to us should always become grace shown through us. Learn how to be gracious in life. Uh, learn how to receive a compliment in life. Did you know that when you deflect a compliment? Did you know many times that's more arrogant than just actually receiving it graciously? You know who's the worst at this? Christians. Christians are the absolute worst. I remember growing up, I would hear people sing in church, and I would say, oh my gosh, a great song. No, no, that's not me, brother. I was like, well, who is it? That was the Lord. Well, it sounded like you. It wasn't me. Have you ever thought for, for, for a moment that there, there's a way when, when people are being kind toward you to just say, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. If you want to get into the details of why I do it, I, I'm honored to do what I do for the Lord. I do the, the very best that I can, but I, I enjoy. You know, if they say, man, you're, you're a great contractor. I love that house. You go, no, no, I didn't build that house. God built it. <laughs> well, who got paid for it? Well, I, I got paid for it, but he built it. <laughs> 
Be gracious uh, in everything you do. Smile at people. Uh, Think of ways to be, I'm trying to teach you ways to be happy. These are ways to be happy in life. You say, but but I, I need more people to be gracious to me. No, you need to be more gracious to people. And you'll start discovering people are going to innately be more gracious to you. Uh, We talked about this a little last week. Be grateful. Be gracious. Be grateful. Hold on. Let me me back up uh, just just a a little bit. Did you know that smiling triggers a, a psychological response in you? That when you choose to smile, it releases things in your brain that fools your brain into believing that you're happy. That's not just psychology, that's God. There are times in our life, I mean, he, he wired us that way. He wires. There are times in our life that we just need to figure out a way to smile. Uh, f- figure out a way, I mean, if you're sitting there and, and you know, you're, you're having your you know, cup of coffee in the morning or you're, you're, you're reading through your, your emails in the morning and you just can feel that your jerk face is in action. Does anyone else have a, a, a jerk face? I got a serious jerk face. Like, my jerk face appears anytime my kids are just, like, filming things in, in, in our living room, and they're just having fun, and they put things up on the screen. I'm like, oh, my God, is that my face? Like, do I really look like that? Am I, am I mad? No, I'm just reading. Like, what is going on? Figure out a way to trigger those smiles as much as you can. And I believe that, that when, when you start smiling, uh, it's going to encourage you, and it's going to lift, lift your spirits up a little bit. So smile through your mask right now. Come on, get a little smile going on. There you go. Then learn how to be grateful. Stop and, and, and look at something and then appreciate it, value it. You know, did you ever hear that story of, of the, the monk who was in isolation and I love that he ended up writing a book about this that was really powerful. But he was in isolation and he had so many things for like a full year. It was by himself. It was part of his commitment that he made. But he found himself having difficulty being grateful. <laughs> so what he did is he took stickers and he began to put stickers on everything in his life that he was grateful for. You know what I'm thankful for today? The light switch on my wall. You say, well, why be grateful for that? Because if you didn't have it, you would really wish you did. So he started cultivating gratitude in areas of his life. And I think it's, I think it's really important to remember that we have to be grateful for what we have. There's a concept called hedonic adaptation. And hedonic adaptation in psychology is, is, means basically that we all revert back to the same baseline of happiness after about 12 months, no matter what has happened to you. So I'm not trying to spoil your, your big dream here or something, but basically hedonic adaptation is, is something that you can study in people who have won the lottery. What it means is that if you've won $100 million, you're no happier 12 months from the moment that you won than you were 12 months before you won. So don't be misled or deceived into believing that there's some greener pasture out there it's going to make you unbelievably happy. It, it won't make you happy. If we don't follow the principles of what we're talking about here, we'll be chasing this elusive thing forever, or we could just have it. <laughs> we could just decide today, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to seek after these things, and I'm going to have it. And then finally, I'll just say, be generous. You know, uh, 
Martin Seligman is a, is a brilliant uh, psychologist who, uh, and my mom is very familiar with his work and have heard her talk about him for years. I actually found out about him from her many years ago, but he sort of pioneered or, or made popular, not necessarily pioneered, but made popular the concept of positive psychology. In, in some of his studies, in one of his books, Flourish, A Visionary New Understanding of Happiness and Well-Being, uh, Martin Seligman explains that people can improve their own lives by volunteering, helping other people with things. Did you know that when your life becomes self-centered and self-focused, that is the quickest way for you to lose happiness? So being generous and choosing to be generous with your time, with your money, with your talent, all the things that you possess, giving those things away gives you a sense of gratification and joy that you would never be able to imagine. As a matter of fact, Martin Seligman has multiple things that he's come up with that are, are really, really powerful. I'd just sort of like to close by touching on one of his studies, something that he came up with that I thought was interesting, that what he found that leads people to happiness parallels incredibly with biblical principles. That's what I'd normally find anyways, is when there's a lot of truth out there in the world of science that science has discovered. I'm like, oh, you should read the Bible. That's already been there for a long time. Uh, but maybe you've heard... You know, the concept of learned helplessness. So, so learned helplessness is the, is the psychological condition that you find if you ever heard the, the concept of elephants. Like when they're baby elephants, they'll tie like a little rope around its leg and tie it to a tree and they pull and they pull and, and they try to get away and they can't. But as those elephants continue to grow older and bigger and stronger, they'll put... Not, they'll put a rope on its leg and then just tie it to a small stake in the ground, but the elephant will never try to pull away from that stake because it remembers when it was young that it was tied to something that it could not move no matter how hard it pulled. So when they feel that rope around its leg, it, it, when it feels the rope around its own leg, it will never attempt to move beyond what it knows. It's learned helplessness. And many of us have experienced that same kind of thing. Maybe 2020 has been a year for you where You've been through so many difficult things and the enemy has intimidated you in so many different ways because you have realized that you can only get so far no matter how hard you pull, you can't get away. And you know what the devil's going to try to do to you for the rest of your life is because of the lack of success that you have had, he is going to put something that is so tiny in your life that is going to intimidate you from ever taking a risk again. Something else that kind of led to this study was the study that was done, a, a pretty big study of rats. And in this study, they would put these rats in water and they found that at about 10 minutes, the, the rats could only swim for about 10 minutes and, and they would die, they would drown. But then in the study, what happened is that the second group, test group that they came back to, at about nine minutes and 30 seconds, they would take the rats out and they would dry them off and they would take care of them and feed them, make them feel better, and then they would put them back in. But that entire group, when they put them back in, was able to swim for 18 minutes the second time. And this, kind of, this process repeated until they were able to swim eventually three to four times what the original rats were able to swim before they gave up and died because they never knew the capacity that they had in them once they recognize the concept of hope. 
That wasn't really a clap intended moment, but go, let's all clap. If, we're, if like two people clap, that makes it really weird. One guy's like, I love it. People are like, that's not good. That's not good enough to clap. So, wow. That's an amazing, when you put those two concepts together, it shows us that learned helplessness, we learn how to give up and to never reach our full potential. And maybe you've been through something in your family. Maybe you've been through something personally that has just taught you how to give up early. Has taught you how to be willing to let go of your destiny for way less than you could have fought for. I'm just encouraging here today. Let's fight for happiness. Let's fight for hope today. Let's believe that there's more in us today. Hey, students, that you're here today, you say, I didn't even get to walk the stage at my graduation. God's got bigger plans for you than you could imagine. People that are here that your business was affected adversely in 2020, and you say, I thought it was going to be this way. I speak in Jesus' name. It's going to be greater than you ever thought. People whose marriages have been affected negatively, I say that the devil can't take away anything from you that he doesn't have to pay back seven times more than what he tried to take from you. In Jesus' name, those of you that are watching online, that says you don't know the thoughts and the dreams and the plans I had. The, The plans that you have don't even compare to the plans that God says, I know the plans that I have for you. He has things in his heart that he hasn't even shared with you yet today. So let's not give up today. Let's learn how to take the hope that is in us, the little that we have, and to turn it into something that can drive us to get up every day and to seek the heart of God, to seek the face of Jesus. This guy, Martin Seligman, came up with this idea called PERMA. And I'm just going to kind of close out with this. These, these quick points that I think are, are so powerful into being able to achieve happiness, and I believe every one of them has a biblical uh, comparison that you can, it's, it's kind of shocking Uh, how how great it is. But the first thing in PERMA, he says, is that we need to be happy. We need positive emotion. And and the Bible teaches us. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to wake up every single day with hope overflowing in our hearts. Psalm 27 and 13 says, I would have fainted if I didn't believe I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know that we got to live our lives every single day with a positive attitude, a positive emotion in our life. I talked earlier about smiling. Get up every day and have some positivity about the why you're getting out of bed that day. Have some positivity about what could change. This is science telling us that being positive can lead to happiness. We've got an eternal hope that's in heaven today, a living hope that is driving us toward this. If we would just put our faith in him. The second thing of PERMA is engagement. He says that that engagement is simply, and I I thought this was interesting, and one one of the phrases that he, he uses, he says, get back in the flow. Engagement. And what does engagement look like? If you haven't in your life been studying, learning, developing something in you, engaging, engaging your brain, engaging destiny, engaging vision, engaging dreams. You will never be happy if you don't have engagement in life. Have you ever been around someone who lives an engaged type of life and you say, hey, what are you up to? Oh, man, I have got this going on. I'm working on this. I'm working on that. Oh, man, I just read a new book that was so amazing. You ever heard this before? And your brain is going, they're like, what have you been doing? You'd be like, well, it's Netflix. That's not engagement, guys. That's not engagement. It's not the kind of engagement we're talking about here. 
Look at someone next to you say, get back in the flow. Come on, type it online. Say, get back in the flow. Get back in the flow of the Holy Spirit. When we're in isolation too long and we're not engaging ourselves, maybe you have a career, maybe you were you know, furlonged or, or something happened in your life that took you off the path of what you were normally doing and you've been waiting since March. And wait, don't wait. Figure out a way to re-engage. Re-engage the gift that's in your life. Re-engage the talent that is in your life. Figure out a way to re-engage. Positive emotion, engagement. R is relationships. We need people in life. If you say, well, I would be perfectly happy living in a hole alone for the rest of my life. That's, a, that's, that's called a problem. <laughs> it's a disorder. I mean, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love, love one another earnestly. Love one another earnestly. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, meeting together regularly, building relationships with each other. We need people in our life to be happy. The M in that perma is meaning. Meaning is belonging and serving something bigger than oneself. I think you can look at that as church little C and big C. City of Life is the little C church. We're the local church that we love our community and we pour into people's lives here in Osceola and Orange County. But C is the big church. It's that thing that Jesus came to redeem. It's the kingdom of God. It's the worldwide kingdom. We get up and, and listen, when I say meaning, I mean, how much more do you get out of bed quicker on a day where you've got something important to do? Something that you're excited about. Why? Because when you put your foot on the ground, you say, I have purpose for my life today. I've got meaning for my life. I've got to get to my job because they need me there. Well, I got news for you. The kingdom needs you every single day. You can get out of your bed every single day with meaning attached to your life. Whether you have a job or not, the kingdom needs you. You have meaning in your life. And then finally, achievement. Achievement is accomplishment that is pursued even when it brings no positive emotion or no meaning, nothing in the way of positive relationships. It's just simply achieving. It's goal setting in your life. Can I just tell you something? Maybe that's saying in two months, I'd like to walk two miles at a brisk pace. If you've never walked before, you're not in shape, that would be an important goal for you. For some people, it might be running 10 miles or riding your bike for 15 minutes or five minutes, whatever. It's achievement, learning how to put things in front of you that you can work for and tangibly see those things lead you to happiness and gratification because you say, I can do it. Maybe for somebody like me, it would be going from five Oreos a day to four. I think I could do that by tomorrow. And, and what, what that can do is that can help you say, man, I can do this. I can, I can do this. And I think when you couple all this stuff with the things I talked about at the beginning in Psalm chapter one, I gave you a lot of material, I know that, but I just wanted to encourage everybody in this room today. I wanted you to leave here today believing that something great is in front of you, that God has great purpose for your life, that you can leave here happy today, making sure that Jesus is the focus of your happiness and your satisfaction. The happiness is not something you're pursuing in itself, but it's a byproduct 
of the satisfaction and gratification of knowing who Jesus is in your life. I love you today. I appreciate you all today. God's got a plan for your life. I believe there's greatness in front of you. I don't think it's over with. I think we're just getting started with all the great things that God has for our lives together. I'm not impervious to this stuff. A lot of, you know, when I preach this stuff, I'm normally preaching a lot of it to myself. Uh, and, and today's is no different. I want to make sure that I don't get my happiness wrapped up in the wrong things, but the source of it is always Jesus. Can I tell you something? Even your family can't be the source of your happiness. You say, well, my family's great. I mean, we can't control other people. We can be grateful for what God does, but you may have the nicest group of people around you. Don't be happy just because of that. Be happy that Jesus has given you something that in this season is, is wonderful. But something could change in that season. Someone could change their attitude, their plans, their whatever. And if you're wrapping up your happiness in a, in a circumstance, that's volatile. But when you wrap your happiness up in someone who will never change, then the source of your happiness is secure. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.